Welcome to Street Smart Success. This is Roger Becker, your host. Starting out in real estate can be the hardest part, but once you do, good things can come your way fast. Today's guest, Lee Yoder of Threefold Real Estate Investing, started out by scouring old deals on LoopNet and ended up making great profits. When other deals fall apart, prices can come down significantly. Lee is now buying bigger cash-flowing deals in the greater Dayton area. So today we have with us a man who is near and dear to my heart. And the reason that is, is because he's working out of uh, Southwest Ohio, where yours truly attended college and started his career uh, many embarrassing decades ago. And uh, all things Buckeye, I generally love. And so today I have a guy out of Dayton, Ohio, who is a real estate investor at Threefold Real Estate Investing, who's got a message to share. Lee Yoder, welcome to Street Smart Success. Thanks, Roger. I'm excited to be here. I really appreciate you having me on the show. Yeah, I just love doing that wind up. You know, I just I guess I just I just waxed to the sound of my own voice. But you're in you're in Dayton, but I see you went to BW uh, Baldwin Wallace for those that wouldn't know BW by the acronym and University of Cincinnati, my alma mater. So are you a Buckeye originally? And if so, what part of the state? And if not, where are you from? Yeah, I kind of grew up in the west central part of the state. Um about an hour northwest of Columbus, about an hour northeast of Dayton. So, yeah, I definitely grew up a Buckeye. Uh, when I went to UC, I, you know, I rooted them on too, but I, you know, there was no chance I was uh, going to turn into a Bearcats fan. Uh, not, not truly, because I was way too much of an Ohio State fan. So, yeah, I went to a small little college up in Cleveland so I could play football because, you know, going somewhere like Ohio State was not the question for me. So, went to a small college where I could play um, and, and had a blast up there in Cleveland. Um, yeah, always been a Buckeye. Glad to hear you are too. Absolutely. What is the name of the town you grew up in? It's called West Liberty. A tiny little three-stop light town, 2,000 people, something like that. I grew up on a farm, you know, very rural area. So yeah, great spot though. Are, are your folks still there? Yep. Yep. Yeah. They still have a 150 acre farm. What kind of stuff they grow or? or uh... Well, yeah, that, that's the, they don't, they, my dad doesn't really farm anymore. He did when we were little. Um, his cousin, you know, farms ground, they just grow corn and beans. And my dad will usually keep two you know, cows and, and have them butchered and we all split the meat every year. Uh, so just, yeah, kind of little tiny mini farm and his cousin does the crops. Got it, man. Okay. What position yeah. do you play in, in football? Uh, you know, I went to small high school, so I played both ways. I played quarterback and safety. And so I went to BW. I went as a quarterback and almost won the job my sophomore year, but um, I didn't. Got beat up by a junior. So then they moved me to safety. And so played a little bit of both sides. So QB and safety don't seem like a, a natural pairing to me because, and this is speaking in generalization, and I understand you went to a small school, so maybe that mm -hmm. made it different. But quarterbacks are typically a little bit on the taller side uh, these days, you know, don't have to be, but, you know, six foot, six two, and safeties are your small guys. Yeah, safeties are all, uh, safeties are bigger than corners. Corners are your your smallest, quickest guys. Sometimes safeties um, aren't quite as small, not quite as fast, but, um, you know, do really well to read things and, and understand, you know, how plays work and stuff. So sometimes that is a natural. And and I was short, you know, I'm only six foot tall. Um, and, and so sometimes you will see that where, you know, maybe you're not quite tall enough to be a quarterback, but you're pretty athletic. 
Um, you know, so you were good in high school because uh, you don't have, you know, doesn't matter as much. And, and so then you end up moving to safety. So you'll see it sometimes. You'll see even, uh, you know, big colleges go after quarterbacks and, and but maybe they played quarterback in high school because they were just extremely athletic. And that's the guy you want to have, you want know, to have the ball in his hands, but maybe it's better suited for safety. So. Got it. So you, you then you graduated, but then you went and got uh, a further degree at UC. It looked like yeah. you were a physical therapist. So maybe tell me about that progression. Yeah, sure. Um, I originally went to be a doctor and, and kind of fell away from that, but want to stay in healthcare. So uh, yeah, I kind of switched up to go to the PT. I mean, it, 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 a lot of physical therapists were athletes and, you know, a lot of them had a lot of physical therapy. Luckily I didn't, I really never had any injuries. But yeah, I decided to be a physical therapist. So I had to go to three more years. We had to do seven years of school. So I had to go three more years at UC uh, and, and graduate with my doctorate in physical therapy. Got it. So you got your doctorate in, in PT. And then uh, where did you practice that? I, I came out and, and did uh, one year in, in an outpatient clinic uh, just up the road from Cincinnati on 71, a little town called Wilmington. Um, so did a year in an outpatient clinic. You know, that's where, you know, Roger, you or I, if we had an injury, you know, we would go there and they, we, we treated a lot of athletes. So it was fun. Just not the best schedule because I got to be, you know, we got to be open, you know, when you and I get off work. Uh, so work until 7, 730. And my wife and I were starting our, uh, you know, family. Um, so, you know, sometimes the kids are in bed by then. Um, so, yeah, looking for something else and uh, started doing home health physical therapy. And um, that was really great in a lot of ways. I mean, mainly, you know, I got to make my own schedule. Um, and, and the hours were great, tons of flexibility and, and pay was a little bit better. So started, um, an outpatient, but just for a year and then did, uh, home health for a couple of years. I see. And so, so curious because what leads you from there, Lee, into real estate? Yeah. Yeah. It, I, I like telling that story, Roger. And I feel like it's, um, a lot of people can probably, um, you know, it, it applies to a lot of other people's situation, I think, where they can, you know, imagine themselves maybe doing something similar. So, uh, I, I was really bored doing home health. It, like I said, great schedule, good pay, like really good for the family. Um, but I just was not fulfilled at all. Um, it, it's really probably the, about the easiest kind of physical therapy you can do. I'm mostly just treating elderly people and trying to help them not have a fall in their home and, and get up and be able to get out of their home. And so it, it's kind of repetitive and I, I just wasn't very challenged or fulfilled. So the company I was with actually uh, was looking for a clinical director, wanted me to bring me in-house. I didn't even really know when I came on with this company that they were actually a startup staffing company. So I came in the office and pretty quickly I was I was no longer doing any physical therapy at all. And I was really just helping run their division. And over the next couple of years, I, I mean, I was totally just doing more of a corporate job. I didn't do any physical therapy anymore. Um, I was, I was doing like uh, director of operations type stuff, doing some sales and just really enjoying it. But um, unfortunately, you know, as often is the case, you know, kind of climbing the corporate ladder. Now I kind of was switched. So now my, my job was really fulfilling and exciting and challenging for me, but now my, you know, family life was suffering and, um, you know, that you have to go through some times like that. And, and there's certainly, you know, times to, to sacrifice and do some things, but now my, again, my wife and I were, you know, still just starting our, our family. We had two young kids. Uh, my wife stayed home with them for the most part. She was a, she's a nurse, but just working PRN. And so, you know, I, I wanted to be home more um, and I felt like I wasn't uh, putting the time and energy into, yeah, like, like you mentioned, I'm definitely a person of faith, a Christ follower. And I, I felt like I wasn't putting enough, you know, you know, into that and really living the, the life God, you know, had called me to specifically with serving my wife and my kids. Um, and, and my job really kind of came to a head where they were grooming me for a director of operations role. And I said, hey, well, can I at least keep the hours that I have? Because I felt like I was given as much time 
to my company as I could. And they said, no, you know, when you get this job, like you're going to need to be here even more because you got to be here whenever anybody's here. So you can't ever be leaving before anybody. And at that time I kind of, you know, I was because I had a different position and that was just a deal breaker for me. I, I felt like I was given enough time. I mean, I was working at home. Um, I would get up at uh, four in the morning a lot of times, most most mornings. So I could try to get some work done when my family wasn't up. So I was getting a lot of work done, but not missing family time. And I just felt like I, I was doing enough. So um, someone had turned me on to real estate and I, you know, ended up, they didn't give me rich dad, poor dad, but I ended up reading that book and a, and a bunch of others and kind of went down that rabbit hole. And I just felt like Roger that maybe this was an opportunity for me to um, have a career that was really challenging and exciting, but also I could control my time a little bit better. And so I could still really keep my priorities straight with my faith and family coming first and then job second. So what I ended up doing um, was I decided, well, let me go back to doing home health physical therapy instead of this, you know, corporate office job where I'm trying to climb, a, climb the corporate ladder. And um, I'll, you know, I won't be so fulfilled and excited and challenged, but I'll have enough flexibility to do real estate as a side hustle. And that'll give me that fulfillment and that challenge. And so that's what I did at the end of 2016 and um, ended up being a, a great decision for me. And um, the reason I say, Roger, I think it's applicable to a lot of people is because more so today than ever, people find themselves working from home and, and having the flexibility and, and maybe, you know, can, can move their schedule around and do some different things and, and maybe have a side hustle. So maybe more than ever, there's more people that could, could do exactly what I did. So when you uh, went back to home health, right after the kind of the corporate job and the, the all the, re- the requirements and hours, et cetera, of that, were you in Dayton at that time where you are now? Yes. Yeah. I've been, I've been in the same place the whole time. Yeah. I'm kind of between Dayton and Cincinnati. Yep. Okay. I got it. All right. And so, you know, you were doing it as a side hustle, you know, because I'm assuming you still had bills to pay. And so right. how did you dip your toe in and, you know, what did you do? Well, it started with a flip, uh, like, like so many people do. Um, I, I knew, kind of knew the whole time my, my goal was to own rentals um, and, and, and more, you know, multifamily, you know, not even single family. And, and I kind of always have known the, the my main, my end goal is, is to own big multifamily property, but you just thought, like, let's just start small. It's not something my wife was really into. Uh, she's very risk adverse. Uh, I think a lot of times God, you know, pay, you know, pairs opposite people together, you'll say opposites attract. And, and my wife are, uh, you know, we're very similar in a lot of ways, but uh, definitely opposites when it comes to, to taking risk and, and, you know, wanting to invest and, and stuff like that. She didn't grow up that way either. Um, so, I, you know, we decided to start small, buy a house. I mean, at the end of the day, Roger, if, if we, you know, turned it over and couldn't get it sold and couldn't get it rented, we could afford the mortgage on that house along with ours. Um, so, you know, the, the risk was relatively low. Uh, so we just flipped the house and, um, you know, financially it went well. Uh, we made more money than than I really thought we would. We made a lot more than my wife because she thought we were going to lose money. Lose <laughs> 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 it so definitely the better. But uh, learn pretty quickly, you know, just with once and, and with with one flip, I realized it, it's not investing. It, that that's a that's a job. Uh, flipping is is just a different job, and I enjoyed it. And you can make some really good money at it. Uh, but there's nothing really investing about it. Um, you're just, you're, you're still trading your time for money. I mean, you do, you know, if you buy the house, I guess there's, there's that piece of it. Um, you know, you, you, you get the equity and stuff like that, but really the, the time and effort and energy you put into it and you get to decide how much that is and how much you want to hire out. But, um, I ended up putting a lot of time into it and yeah, I had the full-time job on top of it. So, um, even though my full-time job was not, um, time consuming at all, add a flip on top of it. Now it was kind of like I was back at that corporate job. So we kind of learned from that, that, that flipping, you know, you can make good money. And, and that helped my wife see like a little bit of the power of real estate, but also she saw, 
yeah, but it takes a ton of time and it's like being back at the corporate space. So it, it was good and, and bad experience at the same time. I understand. And so what did you do? What did you do next? Yeah. So next we bought a duplex uh, and both of these were in our home in the town that we live in. So kind of keeping it close. Um, and so we bought a duplex and, and both of these, Roger, we bought it at an auction. Um, I, I think that's one way to get a good deal because not many people can pay all cash. And that's what you have to do at an auction. So the first one was an online auction, that house. And then the duplex we bought at the county auction. And we basically flipped that too, but we did uh, get it filled with some renters. It was vacant when we got it. We got it filled with some renters and, and I land, you know, played landlord just for a few months. Realized I didn't really like, really enjoy doing that. Uh, but but it, the, the residents were fine. They made it easy on me, but ended up selling that in under a year. So it really was more like a flip, but um, I didn't put near as many hours into it. You know, I hired more of the workout. And then we got to see the power of, of actually owning rentals. So much better experience. My wife is, is definitely getting more on board now. Um, and so that one went much, much better. And then um, that kind of spurred us, you know, again, I'm just constantly listening to the podcast uh, along the way and just hearing, you know, guys say stuff like, man, if I could go back, I would have went bigger faster. You know, and I, you know, th- there's just this, this scalability. There's, there's, um, there's just so many benefits of owning more units and especially more units under one roof. So I kind of, you know, was, was, I had that in my ears and I, I knew that's what I wanted to do. And so the next thing we did was we bought a 16 unit uh, and then that fall really kind of one after another, we bought a 16 and eight and a 10 unit. So I was kind of doing it every year. For some reason, it was always in August. So in August of 2017, and I'd quit, you know, and gone back to home health one year earlier, um, we bought the the flip. And then August of 2018, we bought the duplex. And in August of 2019, we bought a 16. And then we went on to buy an eight and a 10 right after that. Right on. And where are those? Those are all outside of Dayton. Um, so all kind of, all kind of rural. Well, one's actually way out in Wilmington. Again, where I, where I started, where I was working uh, initially, uh, which is like, you know, half an hour from my house. Um, and then the other two were like 20, 20, 25 minutes from my house. Um, and so they're all, you know, local areas that I knew about. Um, I found a couple of them on LoopNet. I found the other one on residential MLS. Again, this is, you know, the fall of 2018 or no, the fall of 2019. So even though I felt like it was incredibly hot back then, it's you know, way, way crazier now. Um, but, but they were just properties that had a lot of deferred maintenance. Well, the two on LoopNet were. So they just sat there for a while. Uh, they were on LoopNet for a long time, and I just came in with a really low offer and was willing to, to you know, really put a lot of uh, work into it. And I partnered with a good property management company. The one out in Wilmington, again, they sold it on, you know, like the residential MLS. And sometimes that's a good way to get a deal because they just really did not know how to value that. They were not, you know, going off their income at all because it was way undervalued. I mean, we put a full price offer in day one um, and, and then we're able to get that one. So, yeah, all kind of local to me. With deals that are kind of been on, on LoopNet. So, for example, that 16 yeah. unit, how long had it been on on LoopNet and what what were they asking for it and what did you buy it for? Yeah, sure. Um, it had been on for at least a year and a half. And it was both, both of the ones that were on LoopNet were like this, where I had seen them and sometimes they would go away. So they, they both properties that I got were under contract previously, but just fell out. And a lot of times it's because you know, people will come in and get it under contract, but then they go and do their inspection and, and then they go, oh, okay, we want a hundred thousand dollars off. And, and the sellers tell them to take a hike. And so I, I think that's kind of what went on with these. Uh, but yeah, both of them had been on them for at least a year, the 16 unit over a year and a half. And I kind of just kept coming back to it. Like, you know, oh, it's way overpriced. Oh, it's weird. Cause the 16 unit was actually an old school that somebody turned into a nursing home and then was turned into an apartment unit. So kind of a weird building, um, you know, or just a weird setup. And it was in a very rural area, you know, outside of Dayton in, in a cornfield, you know, but still 
15 minute drive from, from some of the hottest areas in, in Dayton or whatever. So not very far out, but still in a rural area. So just kind of weird properties. And uh, they wanted 440 for the 16 unit. And I ended up offering 350. They, they countered right in between at, at 395. Um, and then I kind of gave them uh, what I call like an AB offer where I said, well, I can do 395 if you want to finance it. Um, but if you don't want to, and you want me to just get regular financing, then I, then 350 is my final offer. And they, they accepted 350. How long had they owned it? Uh, I think eight, eight or 10 years. Got it. And why, do you know why they were selling it? Uh, just you know, a couple older guys. One was out of state. One was, um, you know, both were retired, um, you know, just ready to be done with it. Uh, they were having a resident manage it, um, not going well. Uh, they had the roof ripped off a couple of different times by wind and just didn't repair it very well. Got a huge insurance claim, didn't spend the money very well. Just, you know, that, that, that those owners that are just ready to be done, just ready to sell it and be done with it. And, and so out of the 16 units, and maybe you said this already and I didn't, I didn't get it, but uh, how many units were occupied? Uh, 13 were occupied. So three were not even close to being rent ready. Again, they were, they were having that, that resident not only manage it, you know, kind of collect rent and stuff, but he was also, you know, trying to rehab the units. And that obviously, you know, was not going very well or going very quick, but three, three were vacant. And then, you know, as often happens, as soon as we get there and start enforcing things like, you know, paying rent and, and somewhat on time, we, you know, we lost a couple other residents pretty quickly too. So in, in a uh, market like that, which you said you described as rural, even though it's 15 minutes from, from a better part of Dayton or a active, lively part of mm-hmm. Dayton, which sounds a little bit like an oxymoron, if you don't mind me saying it, Lee. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't mind you saying it. <laughs> Tease it. Anyway, so if 13 were occupied, um, I actually kind of, I was going to ask you something else, but I changed my, my train of thought. Do you recall what the rent, what the total rent was a month or a year? No, I don't. I know we were getting, they were getting four, four fifteen for, so there were four student, no, yeah, four studios. And then they were getting five, five forty for the 12 one beds. Uh, so 97,000 a year in rent. Sounds like, you know, I mean, compared to a lot of places, I mean, that's an absolutely incredible deal. Have you gotten the other three that weren't rent ready? Have you gotten them uh, ready and are they rented? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this was, so that was in the fall, like I said, in the fall and going into winter of 2019 that um, we got those. And, and you know, my, my goal, Roger, like, like most was to, to get enough, you know, enough units have enough uh, rentals where I would able would be able to replace my income uh, as a physical therapist. And, and even if we didn't get all the way there, um, you know, our number was, was five grand a month, you know, uh, living in the Midwest. I mean, we're, we're very, you know, pr- pretty frugal. We, we bought our house in 2012 and, and you know, we're still here. And uh, so, you know, what that means is we bought it, you know, pretty, pretty low, um, you know, kind of toward the bottom of the market. And so, so our expenses are very low. So just looking for five grand a year, um, and, and so the goal was to get all those turned around. And so over the course of a year, you know, heading into to mid 2020, uh, we, we had done that all, all properties. Um, well, I, I should say that the 10 unit took, took longer, but we were pretty close by mid 2020 where all properties were, you know, fully rented. Uh, but especially the 16 unit and the eight unit, uh, which were the ones we, we got first and went after first, they were fully rented and doing well. So I kind of changed my strategy. I mean, the market helped convince me, but what I decided to do, Roger, was, to sell, to, to sell a couple of these, to take advantage of 
the tremendous equity we had in the properties. And um, instead of, you know, allowing myself to quit because we have enough monthly income, I actually quit in December of 2020 and just have a year ago because of the equity we pulled out and because like this kind of cushion or runway that we have built for ourselves. So now I'm back to, to going after that goal again. And I have, you know, a, a few years worth of our expenses covered um, to allow me to do that. So um, I gave you too much information there, but yeah, we totally turned those around and we sold the 16 unit um, just after, you know, just a year, a little over a year of owning it. Same thing with the eight unit and even the 10 unit. Um, we're supposed to close next month on, on selling that one as well. What did you sell the 16 unit one for? Uh, 625. Oh, right on. Didn't you remember what you put into it after you bought it for 350? You know, I think we were into it for close to four. Uh, we, we really didn't, we got, we put on a whole new roof, but I'll never match this again, but we actually got a hundred thousand dollars cash back at closing as well on that one, uh, because of the roof. So we were able to put a new roof on, uh, with, with money from the sellers. Um, and so we were just putting, you know, we just had to rehab a few units and, um, we actually did redo the hallways and stuff like that. So I think we put like 40 grand into it, but maybe, yeah, maybe close to 400 into it. Yeah. Pretty cool stuff. So are you saying, yeah. first of all, you just a correction, I guess more for the listeners as a slip of the tongue. You said five grand a year. You Once you got to the five grand, you meant a month. A month. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. 60 okay. grand a year. Yeah. Right. Okay. And then are you saying you quit your job at, at, at December 2020? Yes. Yep. Okay, yep. I quit it. my job as a physical therapist and now I just do investing full time. Okay. And so tell me again why you sold all the properties instead of keeping them if you were at your, if you were at your number? No, I wasn't at my number. That's the thing. So uh, I, I wasn't at my number. So yeah, we, I would say Roger probably, so we never had them all running, um, you know, uh, optimally at the same time because that 10 unit, you know, took, took a while and it was the last one we, we really went after. So, but if they were pretty conservatively, we, we would have made, you know, some like 30, 32 grand a year. Um, and I own 50 to 55% of each of those buildings, I just did simple joint ventures with friends and family, but I own 55, 55% of all those. So I would have been making, my wife and I, we would have been pulling like 15 to 16. No, maybe that's, 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 uh, that's a double that. So we, we would have been making close to 60. My wife and I would have been at like 30. So I was halfway there. So instead of, and, and I've been looking the whole time and hadn't found anything. So I just felt like, you know, we're at, we're at 30, 32 a year that what we were making. So we're halfway there. So if, if I were able to do all this again over the next year or two, and I felt like it was going to take, you know, longer this time because the market had just heated up that much more, I felt like, it, you know, it would take another year or two. And I didn't want to wait that long to quit. Meanwhile, it, because of where the market was again and, and how, you know, incredible of a time it is to sell, I, I realized, you know, with what we could sell at, I could take, you know, hey, if we're going to make, you know, 30 a year on selling all those three, we, we, we could almost make, you know, 10 times that. Um, you know, for, for us. And so it felt like, well, I could take 10 years of income and, and have it today and allow me to quit today, but also, you know, and then I just felt like if I, if I was able to, the sooner I was able to quit, the more I could, you know, go all in to it and, and put more into it. And it's, it's what I wanted to do. So we just felt like um, that was something that, that, that was just the path that God had for us. It wasn't the plan at the beginning, but the, the way things uh, turned, I just felt like uh, it was a great time to sell and, and take that equity and allow me to quit and go full time, but also, you know, allow us to take all the, the rental income that we would have received over the, the, the coming years and take it now and then reinvest it um, and invest my time by being full time. So kind of it's kind of our, our, our thought process. 
Well, it's, it sounds to me like you got your goal, but it came in a, in a different way that you exactly. thought that it came, it came faster in a way that you didn't anticipate, which there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. So I guess the question is, is now that you've essentially monetized those efforts, then you had some fortuitousness around the timing. So now mm-hmm. what do you do? Yeah. So now we're, um, you know, trying to do more of the same, just going a little bit bigger. So we, like I said, those were just joint ventures. Uh, they were smaller properties, smaller purchase price, uh, as I mentioned. Um, but we got our first true apartment syndication purchased in February of this year. We bought a 45 unit in Dayton. And then um, next Tuesday, we're going to close on a 47 unit in, in Dayton. And that's a, a syndication as well. I, I since I've brought on a partner. Uh, so I got a guy that, that's also working full time with me. And, and so now we're, you know, 50, 50 partners on, on the GP side and we've, you know, done our, done two apartment syndications now. So, you know, I've, I've kind of learned about those Rogers. I mean, the, the immediate cash flow is not as good um, when, when you're, when you're syndicating versus just doing some smaller stuff and, and joint ventures also, but the purchase prices today, um, you know, it, the, the cash flow is not as good. I mean, things are pretty tight, but yeah. So I, we just want to do more and more of that. Uh, take down more. We're kind of, feeling like we kind of have a pretty good sweet spot kind of between 20 and 80 units where um, for a lot of investors, maybe, I don't know, 80, 90% of investors, that's probably too big uh, for them to go after yet, you know, as they're just getting started. But then, you know, the, the really big players uh, that, that are cool with paying, you know, four and five caps, uh, they don't want to mess around with a 40 unit, especially not in Dayton. So we, we kind of have a, a niche there and that's that's what we're trying to buy right now. Congratulations, by the way. I mean, just, I love Thank you. Lo- yeah, you got it. How did you meet your partner? You know, uh, it's, it's funny, he and I, I, I mentioned, you know, at, at that staffing company where I came in the office and I was building a division, he was uh, working with me, building that division. He came in as more on the recruiter because it's actually, yeah, like I said, staffing company. So he came in on that side of things. So he was kind of more of the sales and, and managing the recruiters. And I was more of the clinical side and, and kind of director of operations. Uh, but we worked together and we both left um, around the same time. And he was kind of, he actually kind of built a land business on the side. And uh, we kind of came together and we were kind of working on both together for, for a few months and then decided to go all in on, on the apartment stuff and actually let the land stuff go. So for something along the, you know, something sub hundred units, mid forties, fifties, whatever in where you bought them in Dayton. So the question is, is there a lot of competition for that kind of property amongst, I would imagine it's local people you're competing against, but I, I can be wrong. So what, what does that look like? Yeah. Yeah. It, a ton of competition. I mean, Dayton, you know, we would never call Dayton an appreciation market, uh, but we've seen a lot of appreciation and there's a lot of interest. And I, I keep saying, I, I feel like what I'm seeing and I'm not like plugged in around around the country. I mean, I'm part of a, a mastermind and I, you know, I, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, follow a lot of stuff, but the way it feels to me, Roger, is that, um, you know, some of the hotter markets and for the most part, you know, on, on the coast and, and some of the bigger cities, I mean, you, you know, which ones they are they're just getting so hot and so competitive that uh, more and more people are going to, this is just too much. And, and they're going, you know, where can you actually cash flow? I mean, I was talking to a guy the other day that bought a deal in Phoenix and he's like, yeah, it doesn't cash flow, but I'm like, I, stop. I don't, I don't understand. Why would you buy something that doesn't cash flow at all? I mean, it was, you know, hundred percent occupied, like it was turnkey and, and it didn't cash flow. And so I, I don't understand that. But anyway, so some people in, in those markets are starting to go, well, where can you actually find a cash flowing property? And, and, and it's, you know, the Midwest. So we're seeing a lot of out-of-state money. Um, and, and it seemed like, you know, I mean, Columbus has, has gone crazy. 
Uh, so, I mean, I, I can't find anything in Columbus. It, it's a super hot market, a ton of out-of-state money. And then, like, Columbus gets so hot that, like, okay, where, where else? Let's go to Cincinnati. You know, Cincinnati's a, a strong market. Again, not a big appreciation market, but we see more and more competition. And then Cincinnati, like, has gotten really hot, and people are going, okay, well, maybe we'll, we'll go to Dayton. And Dayton's, like, kind of the, the last choice. But, yeah, we're even seeing, you know, plenty of out-of-state money. So, it's um it's hot. I mean, anything that's on the market it seems, like, significantly overpriced to me. I mean, we... Both of our properties were off market, and that's you know the only way we were able to get them at, at a, a price that we felt comfortable with. Um, so yeah, still very competitive. So interesting. It's like yeah, yeah. I mean that that is it. And you know the thing is is the is the guy that buys something hundred percent occupied with no cash flow. If the market corrects, he's underwater. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You're just yeah. You're counting on things just going up forever, or at least for a while. You know, and maybe they will. And, you know, there are all kinds of indicators and very few that you can see that would indicate otherwise, but nobody saw COVID coming or any other people don't see deep recessions typically before they come. But anyway, I get it a hundred percent. So what kind of properties are they? What kind of neighborhoods are they close to one another? Uh, Did you buy them together? Were they separate or they were separate. The the 45 units is uh, actually kind of split up. It's it's a 29 unit and two eight units. Uh, but, you know, we, we bought them all together and they were selling them together and, and they're very close. And the 29 unit is just kind of outside of, of downtown Dayton. And it's in a pretty, it's in a good little pocket. Um, I mean, we're getting some, some good rents for, you know, for the size of unit and stuff. And it, it's in a nice pocket right by a, a hospital and some good gentrification going on there. And then the two eight units are, are further West of, of Dayton and West Dayton is, is not a good area. So, um, you know, those, um, are, I mean, not bad, but, but they're good properties. And, and the previous uh, owner really took good care of all these properties. So these were actually very turnkey, which I, this is the first thing I've ever bought uh, that I would call anywhere close to turnkey because you normally can't get a good, good deal. Right. But um, they had it, they had it listed before and had it sold and got all the way to the closing table. Uh, and it didn't go through the, the buyer didn't have their, their funds together. So uh, they didn't want to list it again. And, and uh, luckily we knew a broker that, um, you know, was, was told about it and we came in on it and we were the only ones, only ones offering on it. And we had a hour long conversation with the sellers and, you know, their thing was just wanting to make sure they got a good buyer and, and someone that was actually going to close and somebody that they could trust and stuff like that. So it was really a relationship thing. Uh, but they're, you know, all brick buildings. What, what I love, Roger, are brick buildings with a slope shingle roof. And, and so we have that on those. Two of them are, are built on slabs, which I love. One does have like where the bottom floor is under halfway underground. Don't love that. But um, that's the kind of thing we're looking for. And then the 47 unit, uh, like even better because it's one building, uh, one giant building, mostly brick, again, slope, shingle roof, still, you know, where the bottom floor is halfway underground. But um, that one is in good shape. And, and a lot of the, some stuff has been done. They took the boiler offline and then went to all electric uh, heat. They actually put the PTAC units in where it does heat and AC. But we're going to do a lot on that one. That one's not turnkey. We're going to put in all new windows and spend about 170 thousand on, on exterior and windows and stuff like that and rehab all, almost every unit and really take rents uh, much higher than they are now on that one. How are you going to deal with the management? Who's going to property manage these, number one? And then number two, on the 47 unit one, which it's not turnkey, there's you know more that you need to put into it. Are you going to have, will the property management company be involved in that alongside you together, or are you just going to handle that aspect of it? How does all that break down? Yeah, good questions. Uh, we we definitely work with third party property management. Um, I, I've said all along. I, mean, I kind of mentioned on the duplex that it was it was easy, but I just I just did not enjoy doing property management. And I've always said like 
I want to focus on buying properties. I want to focus on finding deals and finding money. Um, that, that's what I really enjoy doing. I, I do not want to focus on managing and I, and I know I would not be good at it. So we've always used third-party management um, ever since my duplex. Uh, and we, we've got a great partner in our property manager. Um, and when you find that, so you know this, Roger, like I, that, that's just as good as gold. So it makes us want to buy in this area even more. And so I really haven't looked that much. I mean, even Cincinnati, Cincinnati is a better market than Dayton. And I would like to, to buy down there. It, it, things are even more of a price. So it makes me not want to, but I, I don't have a good property manager down there because my property manager is only in Dayton. So I, I want to buy in Dayton just to partner with them. As far as all the unit turns, that'll very much be handled by them. They, they manage um, 250, 300 units in the Dayton area. They've got a couple, they don't have uh, many on their own staff. They got a couple of maintenance guys, but they've got a couple of good contractors, contracting companies that, that almost exclusively work for them. So doing things like unit turns, they can very much handle that. Um, and, and they do a really good job of it. They're, you know, very uh, cheap, but, but done well, stuff like that. So they'll handle that. But my partner and I are, are very much handling the, the big jobs, the exterior jobs. So they, they, they've given us some good referrals, uh, but it's us that's calling and, and are going to kind of manage and handle that. Uh, we're going to handle the big CapEx while they handle, you know, the, the day-to-day maintenance, but then also turning the units. So if you guys are handling the big CapEx, is that because you guys want to just by its nature or is it because they don't do that kind of thing? Or so in other words, why wouldn't you just handle, have them handle that as well? I would say it's a little bit of both. I think they're, you know, they're not quite big enough of a company to, to handle all that. And I think, honestly, I, I don't think they would, I don't think that type of work is really um, built into the, the fee that they charge us. Frankly, I, I think, you know, we, we pay 8%. Um, and then they get the you know first month's rent and stuff. And I think that is is not, um, yeah, handling CapEx and everything that goes into that, they would not feel like they're being compensated for that. So I think there would be, and so maybe we could, you know, we could pay them more, but it, it is more of uh, something that we want to do, uh, something that we feel like, you know, we can do well and have the time to do it. Um, so it's a little bit of both. I don't think it's something they, they feel like they're being paid to do. And, and it's something we want to do anyway. So, so interesting, man. You're just like feeling your way through it and just, just taking it yeah. on a, you know, a step by step basis. Pretty super amazing. What did you pay roughly for these buildings? Okay. So the um, 45 unit, we paid 2.1 million. Um, again, those are one bed uh, units and studios. And the 29 unit is in a, a pretty good area. The eight to eight units are in a not, not great area, but just very C class. One area is probably more like C minus. The 47 unit is in like a B area, the building in C condition, but we paid 2.8 million for that 47 unit. And then, uh, and what kind of rents about? The 45 units um, on the one beds we're getting in, in the, the one beds that aren't in the, the best area, we're getting like six to 625. Uh, whereas the ones that are in a better area, we're getting 675, uh, even up to 695. Uh, in the studios, we get um, 595. But the uh, 47 unit, those are two bed, one and a half bath units. And what, the reason we're excited on that one, the reason we're putting so much into it, is their average rent right now. They're getting 700 on some of them, but they're only getting 650 on some of them. And and market rent is at least 895. So we're gonna go, you know, we're gonna get almost you know 250 dollars in rent premiums by um, you know making the exterior look better and, and do a lot, you know, putting new windows and stuff like that, but also making the units look a lot nicer. Uh, we've got some big rent premiums there. Wow. And, and, and how long had they, the, the, with the 47 unit, how long did they own the property prior to you? I think they've owned it um, like eight years. I see. Were they local, again, date, local date? No, people? they're not local. No, they're out of New Jersey. 
we looked at another 54 unit and it's in, in a different guy on that, but they're like buddies and they're both out of New Jersey and they kind of share like the one kind of does the property management. So he does it for both buildings, but it, the way he does it is just, you know, finding one person, you know, that'll work like part time. So there was a lady um, and she actually just quit. I don't even think they got her to stay on until closing. Um, so I don't know. I mean, we need to close, <laughs> but I mean, that, you know, it, not, not managing it very well out of state, not local, and, and just had one lady kind of working part-time to try to manage the property. Yeah, right. And you're you're like right there. And what what kind of finance financing are you getting? The first one, uh, Roger, we did um, just a local credit unit actually and got 80% LTV, you know, got a, a 3.75% interest on, you know, 25 year AM uh, fixed for five years. And then the second one, uh, we're get, doing our first agency uh, debt. We were assuming a loan. That was something, you know, upon... When, you know, when they were selling it and the broker was talking to us, like I said, it wasn't listed, but the broker was telling us, hey, um, you know, you have to assume the loan. So we're getting a, a small balance Freddie Mac loan on that one. So um, and they just refinanced and got into that loan uh, toward the end of 2020. So we're coming in right on the be- right at the beginning of it. So, you know, they would have had a five percent prepayment penalty. And so that, that's fixed for 10 years at three point five, eight percent. That's nice. On the other one that's fixed for five do you have any concern that, you know, interest rates get away from us more than we anticipate? You know, I, I, I don't in the next few years, may, maybe the next two for sure. Um, I, um, yeah, but, but I do going forward. So if we had a chance in the next two to three years to go ahead and, and, and refinance and lock in some better debt, I think, I think we would take advantage of that. How much time would you say, you know, you made a choice to get out of the corporate world at that job and you want to spend more time with friends and family. Um, so I guess my question is, in, in, inevitably, you have control of your time now, but how much time are you spending a week in these endeavors? Oh, uh, you know, I would say it, it's it's at least 40, but but yeah, I don't let it get carried away, Roger. I'm not, I mean, I, I hear a lot of guys say, you know, oh, you know, Quint went full time and now I'm working more hours than ever, but at least I get to control it. That's not been my experience. Um, I, I, you know, 40, 45, I mean, when, when we have a week, you know, when we identify a property, that's when I kind of go all in, uh, when, when there's a property that we're pretty serious about. I mean, you, you know, you kind of have to do all the work, at least my side, my partner does more of the, the asset management and managing, you know, our property manager and stuff like that. But for me, all, all the work is done up front. I mean, and that's kind of typically how it goes. Um, so when we identify a property, I'll probably, you know, I might work 50 or 60 hours that week. Uh, Cause you know, you, you got a, a week to basically decide, you know, what you're going to offer on it um, and, and whether or not you want to offer on it and get out there and see the property and all that stuff. So there's some busy weeks, but um, I, I work from home, but e- you know, even in the morning I, I make breakfast and eat breakfast with the kids and my wife and I homeschool. So I, I'm involved in that. Uh, you know, I, I kind of take my son, she takes my daughter um, and we do that. I, I often eat lunch uh, with my wife or, you know, come up and, and talk for a while. And then I'm, I'm done at dinner and we eat early. We eat at like four 30. So um, yeah, I, I, I've got a pretty good schedule. You're doing it the way you want to do it. Um, hey, on the on on the forty seven unit deal for two point eight mil, eighty percent LTV. I think that's what you said, or was it the other one that was that? The other one was eighty percent. So this one's only seventy percent LTV. Okay. And so, how much money did you have to raise, and what did that whole process look like? Yeah, the first one we only yeah very different because of the LTV and and, and, the, and the size of the deal and uh, the rehab. So the first one again, yeah, we're getting you know, the bank's paying for 80% of it and we didn't have to bring a ton, you know, for CapEx. So we only raised 550,000 on that one. You know, the 47 unit, the bank's only financing 70% of it. 
and we're putting in a ton for CapEx. So we we're raising 1.3 million on that one. And, and we and we're paying a lot more for it. So uh very different. The 550, you know, that was uh pretty easy to raise. You know, like I said, we had already sold some of the, the buildings. So some of those invest some of those that invested with me on the, the 16 unit, the eight unit we sold, you know, they wanted to roll their money and, and invest again. And then, you know, it, it was all just close family and friends that had, you know, seen what I'd done for a while and wanted to invest. Um, and then my partner brought, um, you know, one of his family members in. So pretty easy on that one. The 1.3 has definitely been uh, more of a challenge, uh, but it's still, still for the most part, just family and friends. And then uh, we've really been able to tap, tap into uh, the local RIA. So our real estate investment association of Cincinnati. And that one's kind of partnered with Columbus. Um, and actually on that one, Roger, I didn't mention, we actually brought in another partner on that one um, as kind of our key principal because my partner and I didn't have the net worth and liquidity required to take down this agency loan. You have to have a net worth equal to uh, the loan amount, um, but they, they really like to even see it equal to the to the purchase price. And then your liquidity has to be, an, um, I think, yeah, the liquidity, at least uh, enough to the one year, two years payment, something like that. Um, but w- we weren't there. So we brought in a, a partner and he uh, actually runs the apartment focus group in the Cincinnati and Columbus Ria. So he's very well tied in. So it's been through that network that we've done a lot of our, our capital raise on the second one. Hey, man, you're putting all the pieces together. Yeah, well, thank, we're trying. Like you said, it's, it's step by step and kind of just figuring it out as we go. And, you know, you just take you can only take the next step. Right. Okay. You just kind of figure out the next couple steps for the key principal who's willing to sign a loan. How much equity yeah. do you have to give up? So we had to give up 20% of our half. So we have 50%. The GPs get 50%. The, the investors are getting 50%. We had to give him 20% of our half. So 10% of the total equity. And that was pretty high. I, I balked at that a little bit. Um, but he actually, he did raise, he raised quite a bit of money for us as well. So that that's definitely worth something. So, and, you know, great guy. And, and I mean, he, he's a mentor to me. I actually gave him 10% of my 16 unit for no money and, and not raising any money because he helped me so much with it. And and so, yeah, it, it's one of those things that I wouldn't want to do on every deal, but more than worth it on this, on this first agency debt that we're taking on. How many units does he own? He's, I think he's into well over 200 and then he owns a, a, a shopping center, a converted shopping center out, out in Pennsylvania. But, um, and some of that's passive, some, you know, some joint ventures, but he at well over 200 units. I see. You're at the beginning of what I think will be, uh, over time, an empire. That's the sense I have in talking to you. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, Roger. I hope you're right. We got a long way to go, but I appreciate you saying that. You know, sometimes it's just the hardest part is starting. You know, like you you said at the top of the hour when we start talking is, you know, you're not as as risk averse as your wife. But you know what? Like, hey, man, you're, you're rolling your sleeves up. You're willing to be mentored. And you said you're in a mastermind group and, yeah. you know, you'll figure it out. I think the hard part is just that the market is become, you know, one can argue irrational, although right. you only know that in hindsight. But you know, that that's probably the biggest headwind is probably, in my observation, probably a bigger challenge to you than what you're personally capable of doing, because I have a feeling you're personally capable of doing pretty much what you want to do. So, um, yeah, yeah, it is a challenging market. I mean, that's for sure to be buying. Yeah. It's not an easy time to be buying. Those deals, again, the two most recent ones in Dayton, the, the 47 and 45, those, so those were not did not cash flow on the front end or did? No, they do. They do they very do. well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that 45 unit cash flows really well. And I mean, we bought that, you know, honestly at a, at a nine cap um, and, and it 
cash flows very well. They did a great job with the property. I mean, they're, they're, like I said, I would not normally buy a property that was that well taken care of because we would have had to overpay so badly. But we got a property that they had done. I mean, all the buildings have new roofs. All the buildings have new windows. Uh, they and they did all that. They they took the boiler offline for the twenty nine unit and went all electric. I mean, they and and rehab the units way too nice. Uh, we we got a, a steal on that one. I feel and it, it cash flows very well. The uh, the forty seven unit will will cash flow. I mean, they're they're you know they had one vacancy uh, when we went and looked at it the first time. Now they've kind of let off on it. Now they're up to three vacancies. But no, that'll cash flow early on as well. I see. Yeah. Well, the, the 45 unit, I mean, it's probably changed since you acquired it, but how, how much do you think it was cash flowing? Do you know what the cash on cash was, you know, relative to the down? Um, That would be hard to say. I guess it would be close. To, you know, we're, we're already returning about 10% to our investors, 10% cash on cash to our investors. And, and, and I mean, we, we only did, we've only um, had one quarter uh, and that was just actually made up of one month. We're about ready to finish our second quarter with the property. So very, very new into it, but we're, we're, you know, early on we did, and we're still on track to return 10% cash on cash to them. And then my partner and I, you know, we, we have 50% of it. So, you know, really you figure cash on cash into it. We're really, you know, close to 20% on that one. Now you're talking. So are you, are you getting close to your five grand a month? Well, no, I'm not. No, that, that's a good point, Roger. So the way we do it, you know, is, um, and, and it's common in the syndication is to, to give an 8% preferred return. So yeah, you know what you may, yeah, you may, so I, I just totally messed up those numbers. You make a really good point. Um, it, it's not 20%. I would have to, I'd have to check it out. It's, it's going to be, you know, more like, more like 12 to 14 or something because they're getting most of the cash flow. Right. right? You so don't in a get like a waterfall. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they're getting the first 8%. So just, just quick, easy numbers. If anybody, you know, is kind of trying to learn this, the way we're looking at it, and this is pretty conservative because I think we'll be closer to a hundred thousand, but Right now, for, for the first year, being conservative, knowing we're going to have higher vacancy as we take over, we're thinking we're going to make 80000 on that. Well, we raised five fifty, so dollars so an 8% return on the five fifty is 44000 So the investors get the first 44000 and then we split 50-50 on top of that. So it's like they have to make interest on their debt, on their loan to us, kind of. And so they're making 8% interest. And so they get the first forty four, and then we split the remaining thirty six. So my partner and I are just splitting 18000 so I'm just making nine thousand dollars a year now. Again, that that should I think we're going to be closer to a hundred percent, especially some of the turnover we have. We're, we're getting fifty to a hundred dollars in rent premiums um, and controlling some expenses and stuff. But still, even when we get there, you know, so thirty six, so more like fifty six. So we'll split, you know, twenty eight. So you know, I'll, I'll make fourteen. I mean, yeah, it's still not going to knock our socks off, and, and we're going to need to do you know a handful of these to get me to my number. But you know, probably probably six six of these, you know, get it done for me. Um, but yeah, we, we're not, but then when we sell Roger, I mean, the, the, the benefit, and this is why I love the syndication model because my partner and I are going to make a bunch of money. If we do really well for the investors for five years and increase the value so much that we can sell and make them a bunch more money, but then that's when we're going to make a bunch of money, but we've got to really do a good job, you know, for a long time, uh, before we really get paid. Um, so, so yeah, we're, we're mutually incentivized. We're, we're all, you know, wanting to increase it. We don't, you know, we do take a, a small acquisition fee, but we don't take an asset management fee. You know, we're going to do well if we do well for our investors for an extended period of time. Well, you're building equity is what you're doing. Right. Yeah. Paying off debt. Yep. Well, Lee, if somebody were to want to connect with you and ha- have a conversation and learn about what you're doing and, and all that, how would they do it? Sure. Yeah. The best way is to jump on our website, um, threefoldrei.com. 
you can get a hold of us through there. You know, we've got a great uh, ebook actually too. Um, Roger, I want to mention it's called um, Five Steps to Passive Income for the Full Time Dad. Uh, you know, I kind of mentioned in here, you know, my, my story of, of of really wanting to be a good husband, a good dad. Also, being a Christ follower is important to me. But we we really think investing, uh, specifically, you know, investing in apartment syndication, and, and even not, you know, not necessarily doing it actively, but even doing it passively, is is a way to put your money to work for you, so that you're, so that working more and trading more time for for more money is not the only option you have. You can put your your money to work for you and let your money make more money for you so that you can increase your financial position, which, you know, a lot of dads and moms, but we, you know, my, my partner and I, both dads, we uh, market the dads. Dads want to do that. They want to provide really well for their family, but maybe you can trade, you know, invest some money and, and improve your financial position so that you can, you know, support your family in the way you want to, instead of having to be away from your family even more in order to do that. So if you jump on the website, check that out, that out we'd appreciate that. And then, uh, yeah, you can email us at info at threefoldrei.com. But yeah, the website's the best place at threefoldrei.com. Well, Lee Yoder, thank you a, a trillion percent for your time today and uh, fa- fantastic adventure. And uh, looks like you're having a good time doing it. And uh, you, you know what? You're paying dues and, and they will pay off. I uh, feel very strongly about that. No, I appreciate that, Roger. And I, I really appreciate you having me on the show. It's been a blast. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs> 